We're All making right. a podcast. Hurry up and listen. Look at you. Look at you listening to this podcast. You're amazing. Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just doing our damnedest to make the world 10% nicer by any means necessary. And we're glad that you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant. And today I'm joined by a cool guy, adventure cyclist, adventure bicyclist, and inspirational human, Ryan Van Duzer, the Duzer, who is a born and bred mountain boy from the foothills of the Rockies. Ryan's a TV host slash content creator slash motivational speaker, one more slash, uh, bicycle influencer. Uh, Ryan puts all his heart into inspiring people to get off their couches and explore our beautiful planet. His content has appeared on the Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, Men's Journal, National Geographic, and tons of others. I love bikes, sleeping under the stars, and bean burritos. Sorry. He does. Ryan does. Ryan loves those things. I was just reading from his from his website, and I kind of messed it up. But I do too. I love all those things. I'm a pretty positive guy. Uh, you know, people consider me kind of uplifting and stuff. I mean, some people, somebody did once. But Ryan, Ryan makes me sound like a dreary, drippy Dan. And if your name's Dan, I apologize. Not to pick on anybody's names here. Uh, but Ryan, he's like, he's a bucket of sunshine. And a bag of unicorn feathers, just all in one. And you're going to love getting to know him if you don't already. And if you do, if you do already know Doozer, I think you're still in for a treat. All right, here's the stuff we need to talk about real quick that is kind of boring. Don't forget to nab your Super Nice Club gear at superniceclub.com. We're selling out of everything prior to relaunching in a few months. The new focus, new look, totally fresh collection, the Generation 1 stuff, the OG SNC gear is all limited. It's almost gone. So go get it now at superniceclub.com. Yeah, see? Got it out of the way. This is the 66th episode of nice, I had green tea today, caffeine, <clears throat> got me with a crazy great intro, right? 66th episode of nice work. So here are some interesting, or not, tidbits about the number 66. Okay, top of my head, didn't need to look this one up. There's historic route 66. One goes from uh, like Mexico to Hawaii or something like that. There's like lots of cigarette smoking people driving Buicks on it. and It's super historic and it's in the movies and TV shows and I don't know where it is. Uh, 66 is the total number of chapters in the Bible book of Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah, that's a name I never spell right. I mean, it doesn't look right. You write it down, it's I-S-A-I-A-A-I-I-H-I-A or something. Sorry, Isaiah's out there. Not to bag on your name, but your name's pretty weird. Pretty weird. I'm Todd, T-O-D, super simple. Lots of Todds are stuck with an extra D. Kind of feel sorry for you, two-timing Todds too. Not to, not to make fun of anybody's names. Uh, sticking with religion, because you know how many super nice wars were you know, fought in the name of God, uh, let's stick with religion. In Abjad numerals, the name of Allah, numerical value is, guess what? 66, yeah. And lest we forget about the other Abrahamic faith, 66 is, a, this is kind of a tough tie-in, but I did it, is a 2006 British movie about a bar mitzvah in London on the day of the 1966 World Cup final. Got nothing for... Uh, other religions, that, that, that's the end of the religion stuff. Lil B, Lil B has a song entitled OMG 66. And lastly, most cheerfully, 
in the horror genre and Western esotericism. Yeah, there are 66 legions of demons that Baal controls. Speaking of Baal, David Bowie played him in a uh, theatrical production back in the day in the 80s, and he was like, totally fantastic. Look it up, David Bowie Baal. Baal is B-A-A-L. That's why I've been saying it, Baal, instead of Baal. But it's probably pronounced Baal. Whatever. All right, let's do this. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Ryan Van Duzer. Duzer! Ryan Van Duzer, thanks for being on Nice Work, and good morning. Good morning to you. I'm psyched to be here. I, I'm really glad you're on here. So I, I always, so far, in 66 episodes, have started these podcasts by you know, talking to the guest. But this one, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change it up because I want you guys, listeners, to have some background, if you don't already, on Ryan, to, to really just get this guy. Um, and you can do that so well in just five minutes. So I'm going to ask you to pause. Pause the podcast and go to Ryan's YouTube channel. Uh, Ryan, what's the fastest way from the Finder YouTube channel? Just go to YouTube and type Ryan Van Duzer. Yeah, that'll do the trick. Yeah, Ryan Van Duzer, D-U-Z-E-R. So go there, watch the five-minute video called Always Moving Forward, My Life on a Bicycle. I believe it's the featured video. Yep. Um, and it, it, it'll just fire up your day. It'll fire up your day, I promise. And you'll come away just... I, I think dying to hear the rest of this podcast, dying to learn more about Doozer. It did for me after I watched it. I'm like, ah, this is going to be, I can't wait to talk to this guy. So just do it. Um, just do it. And we'll, we're going to wait here for like five minutes in, in quiet while you watch the video. Cool. It's been five minutes. Yeah. It's been five minutes. That was awesome. Oh man. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Wasn't that a great video? Did you do it? I hope you did it. I hope you actually paused it and watched it. I did. I actually went and watched it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Did you get, make any new notes? I was like, oh, I should have changed an edit here. No, I <laughs> I really put a lot of heart and soul into that video. I mean, that is my life smushed down to about four and a half minutes. So I'm, that's of all the videos I've ever made, I'm the most proud of that one. It's it, it really did. I'm not just trying to sell the guest. It fired me up, made me feel... Um, just that importance of connecting with the outdoors, with nature. And, you know, during, I hate to bring up COVID again, because we always do, but during COVID and certain things, some of our habits and our routines have been broken. For myself, I thought, God, I, I need to get my kids outside more. I need to connect them more, uh, just the quality of life. And then your optimism comes through so strongly in that, which is where I want to start. I want to start talking about your ridiculous optimism. Um has it always been like that when you were a little kid? Were you just always like, yeah, life is awesome? Kind of. You know, I have some very early memories of blasting Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, and having <laughs> spoons in my hand and banging them on the walls. And I was born in the USA. And that's the only, you know, line of the song I knew. So I would say that over and over. And my dad would always be like, damn, you are a happy little guy. You know, and um, of course, I'm a human and I, I go through tough times and, you know, life is not always easy. But I definitely have always had a sunshiny type of uh, attitude towards life. That's that is great. Have you ever had anybody kind of give you grief about that? Like, say, hey, Ryan, you know, you're a little naive. Life just isn't like that. Or has everybody kind of 
falling in line? Not everybody. No, you know, because I have a YouTube channel. And so when you open up a YouTube channel, you get lots of comments from people around the world. True. Yeah, and some of them think I'm faking it or there's no way I could be that happy all the time. And I get it. I totally understand because as a human, sometimes you're watching a video and you're like, this guy can't be real. You know, I, I get it. Um, but I really am. I try, you know, bad things have happened to me in life for sure. And I get bummed out. But it's, it's how I, I react to those situations, I think, that keeps me on the, the, the happier side of life. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes life is, is really hard. But instead of, you know, going down a dark hole and having a pity party for weeks on end, I'm like, all right, how can we turn this around and make it somewhat positive? Or how can I learn from this? How can I be a better person? How can I treat others better? So other people don't have to go through what I just went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, easier said than done. And I think that a lot of the, the, those who might say, ah, this guy isn't for real, because first of all, they're ignoring that YouTube and everything is a curated experience, right? And the tough challenges um, aren't broadcast, right? Um, I think part of that comes from jealousy and part of that comes from just folks, it, myself included at times in my life. My God, I have not been Mr. Optimism. I'm a super nice club, but part of that is because it's it's my personal therapy as well. Like, how do you try to be uh, a nicer, better person day after day? Um, and when we don't have that born into us naturally, like, you know, born in the USA kid, uh, it can be frustrating when you see people who just have it and you're like, ah, oh, that can't be real. Why? Because you don't have it and you're just telling yourself, it's, it's sort of a defeatist attitude, right? If this person has it and I don't, it's not, well, what do I have to do to get there? It's no, that isn't real on that side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's always easier to break somebody down to make yourself feel better about yourself. Right. And that's the yeah. oldest trick in the book. But I will say on my channel, I do try to show all sides of me. You know, I've had videos where I talk about alcoholism, talk mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. heartbreak and, you know, things that are hard. So it's not just Ryan bouncing around all the time, psyched on life. It's like, you're going to see every side of me on my YouTube channel. I cry probably in every fifth video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when strangers ask you what you do, what do you say? How do you, I mean, let's get into your, your whole thing, but how do you answer that to people? I used to say I was a TV host, you know, mm -hmm. that was my dream. That's what I did. I worked for the travel channel. I was on the discovery channel, but you know, I didn't really like it. Um, cause I was reading other people's scripts a lot of time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my heart and soul out there. And now as a YouTuber, it's the best thing I've ever done. I tell people that I'm a storyteller. Oh, okay. And I tell people that I, um, I create stories that hopefully bring value to the world in some way, shape, or form. To challenge people mentally or physically, to be more environmentally conscious, and to be nicer. This is the perfect, I'm so glad I'm on your podcast, because really, I like to portray being a good, kind human being. And if you watch my content, yeah, I go on all these epic adventures, but the core of every adventure are the connections I have with the random strangers that I meet anywhere from middle of nowhere, Mexico to Omaha. Yeah. I, it, you say that your mission is to help people realize their potential, follow their dreams, you know, empower them to take action, which is, which is a great mission, obviously. 
what kind of actions do you hope people take? Do you have any sort of expectations or is it just, hey, whatever makes you happy? Or do you kind of, would you like to see the greater global community take specific actions on a large scale? I guess it's kind of more like whatever makes you happy. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit and judge what actions you take if they're big or small, because it's great if they're, they're small and that's might be a really big deal to you. And I just, I want people to realize that the world is not as scary as the media makes it out to be. You know, I've done a lot of videos in Mexico and Mm -hmm. if you watch the news about Mexico, you'd think it's just this horrible narco country where it, you know, everybody's getting their heads lopped off. And uh, I like to show a different side of Mexico and people watch my videos and they're like, oh, wow, this is not the Mexico I see on the news. And for that matter, I, you know, I've ridden my bike across the United States a few times and people from outside of the United States will watch it and be like, wow, this is not the United States I see on the news. Thank you for showing me a different side of your country. I agree. And regarding Mexico, it's an amazing country. It used to be, I was just sort of nonplussed about Mexico. I'd just gone down to some vacation spots. But when I started exploring places like Guadalajara and really diving into Mexico City and some little spots, I have to say, you know, Mexico is kind of my favorite place. It is. I've been all over the world and people always ask me what my favorite country is and it's always Mexico and they're surprised. They're like, wow, <laughs> why Mexico? It's so close to the United States. Don't you think it'd be something more exotic? And I love the people. I love the culture. I love the language. I love the food. I love the music. And talk about happy people. Mexicans are just default, very cheery and goofy and fun. I, I fit really well into their culture. Yeah. So hats off to Mexico. If you're out there, if we have any Mexican listeners, today we salute you. All right. From from now on, the rest of the podcast is going to be in Spanish. Exactly. You're also a motivational speaker. Did that just naturally blend out of your your YouTube channel getting bigger and people coming to you and saying, hey, can you come to my school and, and get people hyped? How did that start? I started doing it way before I was even a YouTuber. I would come back from my grand adventures around the world and local schools here in Boulder would ask me to come do a presentation about it, you know, essentially. And I love connecting with audiences, audiences, especially younger people. And I love just showing them what's possible with life after school. You know, growing up in the United States, you think, okay, to be successful, I have to go to college. I have to get good grades. I have to, you know, get a good like nine to five job. And yeah, that that can lead to success and happiness, but it doesn't have to be that way. So I kind of come in and show students, you know what, this, this is what's possible out there. You can dream crazy big and you make you can make a career out of riding your bike around the world. And it just blows their minds like, really, I can do this? And it's fun. I mean, you know, and I love to just psych them up about, you know, being physically fit and connecting with the world and doing volunteer projects. You know, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Honduras for two years. I've done all sorts of projects around the world. And it's like, you know what? We can all help each other out a little bit. And uh, that's pretty awesome. It is pretty amazing when you think. I, I think it's kind of a... 2000s thing because of the interwebs and how you can expose your story and broadcast it so well. But you really can make a career out of following your passion. This is is nice work. This is the big idea behind this podcast. But as crazy as it may seem, like another friend of mine, a Burning Man campmate uh, down here in LA, his name is Jedediah Jenkins. And he had never ridden a bike. He rode from... 
uh, up in Oregon, down to the southern tip of South America, uh, because he just had a uh, an idea to do this thing and wrote a book on it, and it became a big thing, a big hit. He's now a career as a writer and a and a beautiful writer, you know, with with uh, a lot of success, a lot of followers, and it all started because he just decided, you know what, my passion is telling me. I want to ride my bike, even though I haven't ridden one, uh, from top of North America to the bottom of South America. And he got it done. I love him. His book is amazing. I really, really enjoyed his book. I love his Instagram. I like how his mind works and what he thinks about. I, I really have been a fan of his for a while. Jedediah Jenkins, everybody, if you want to check his check his writings out, I highly recommend highly recommend it. So You've made it really easy, super easy for interviewers to hone in on your favorite things. You actually provided a list of fun factoids on your website. It's just like, hey, I don't have to do many homework. They're right here. I want to talk about a couple, though, even though you've talked about them before, but that's because you listed them. So it's your fault. First of all, um, you've never owned a car. Yes. That's I don't know why I just find that so awesome. Um, we have a house guest that's never gotten a license, and uh, she's uh, early 30s. I find that great as well, just to be able to navigate life without having to to fall prey to the, the big thing that is car ownership. Yeah. So I, when I was a little boy, I was watching a PBS special on Earth Day, and I was really affected by it. And they're talking about the environment and pollution and all these different things that were bad for the earth. And it really stuck with me. And at that young age, I was like, I'm never going to have a car. I'm going to ride my bike everywhere. And that was going to be my thing that I was going to do to keep the air cleaner. And so, yeah, I've never had a car. I didn't get my license till age 32. <laughs> so your housemate is, is right at that age where it might have yeah. to happen. I was doing a TV show where I needed to drive a little bit. And the, the director of the show didn't know that I couldn't drive. Of course, he thought I could drive. Everybody can drive. I was like, right. I don't have a license, buddy. And he's like, you need to get one real quick. So my mom at age 30, when I was age 32, taught me how to drive just enough so I could get a license so I could do these little segments in the car talking to the to the camera. And so was it, was it hard at all? Yeah, you pick I, it up I, immediately? I still don't drive. I'm very okay. uncomfortable in a car. I mean, I have my license technically, but I would never. If you're listening and you see me in a car, stay far away. I'm not <laughs> uh, the other great one, because I don't know how you can't. Um, and I still, some mornings, um, I will crank up Rainbow Connection to wake up my kids, even yeah. my 18-year-old, Justice, because it just fills me with joy. Uh, you say you love the Muppets. Oh, yeah. I love the Muppets because they're just goof, kind of like what I was talking about, like people, I they're, they're goofy and they're fun and they're, they sing songs about like everything and just the mundane, mundane things in life. And uh, Jim Henson was a genius. And again, mm -hmm. he was one of those people that just wanted to bring a spark of joy and happiness to young people and even adults. You know, I still love the Muppets. I watch the reruns all the time. Muppets Christmas Carol is my favorite Christmas movie. Wow. You know, I have a whole book on, on Kermit and his teachings. It's like there's a lot of wisdom with the Muppets. They're not just these goofy, you know, made up characters. What do you think of the newer Muppets movies? They're OK. I don't like them as much as the old ones. They're OK. Yeah, the there's something there. 
Yeah, there, there's something missing in them, though. I think this the storytelling isn't as strong. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Okay, so Super Nice Club members, you love the Muppets, right? How do you not love the Muppets unless, you know, you just didn't grow up? If you're nine years old now, maybe you don't have a lot of Muppet exposure. But um, I, my, my challenge, my challenge I want to issue the members of the Super Nice Club in this podcast is to, when you're done listening to this, since you're already on Spotify or Apple or, you know, some platform where sound comes out of it, play Rainbow Connection. Just crank up Rainbow Connection, the original version, when you're done with this podcast. That's, that's my are, challenge. There's so many <laughs> songs about rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> we got him doing the impersonation. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Those are the only two. You have a bunch of other ones. Uh, you guys can go to Ryan's site if you want to read the, the, the list of his fun factoids. But uh, those are the two that, that sparked my joy right there. Well, um, you know, really quickly, if people always yeah. ask me my heroes in life, who do you look mm-hmm. up to? And I really look up to the Muppets, you know, <laughs> There's, they're, they're, are, they're amazing. They're just like so full of joy at all times. Yeah. Even the, even the uh, cranky old men, what are, what are their names? The, oh uh, yeah. I forget those dudes. names. Yeah. 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 But they're somehow also, uh, bring a lot of happiness just watching those guys. They were kind of my, some of my favorites when I was a kid. I just love those two kind of heckle and Jekyll style. Yeah. Uh, and the Swedish chef, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's being kind of canceled right now? I don't know if you read about that. What? Yeah. Kind of culturally insensitive. Yeah. The Swedes don't care. I lived in Sweden for a year. Yeah. You know, anyway, Swedish chef is under attack. You might want to go out and try to help, Ryan. Do a a ride for for the chef or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, of the things we loved as kids, you know, Muppets, obviously, but you mentioned in, I think it's your five-minute video, that childhood memories are always outdoors. That's so true. It blew my mind when, when I heard you say that. I went back and I thought about my, my childhood memories, and I have a lot of them, and they were. They were pretty much all outdoors. Uh, I asked the people in my household, hey, uh, well, did, I didn't ask the kids because that's sort of, yeah, of course, 100%. Uh, and that was the case. Listeners... Think about that. Think back to your your favorite childhood memories right now. Um, they're outdoors, aren't they? Doesn't that wake you up to just if you if your favorite parts of your life when you were young were outdoors? Doesn't that kind of hint that maybe the favorite parts of your life moving forward are going to be outdoors as well? That we all need kind of need to get out there more. Tell you what, if you you know what I want to see, I want to see I want to see your childhood memories, folks. So if you have a picture of these awesome memories, a photo, post it, tag us, and I'll send you stickers in the mail. They're cool stickers, super nice club stickers. You'll love them. So do that. Um, when did you When did you come to that realization about childhood memories? Have you vetted that with other people? You know, I hadn't really talked about it with all that many other people. It was just I thought about my most vivid, beautiful childhood memories. Mm-hmm. Not only are they outside, but like summertime, playing in the backyard, bare feet, in the grass, you know, racing my brothers and sisters in the backyard and picking flowers or riding bikes and skinning our knees. And just those are the most vivid memories for me. And that really is kind of the mission of my entire YouTube channel is to inspire people to get outside. And you don't have to be an elite athlete. You don't have to have the most amazing gear. It's all about just being outside. And that's really the point of all this is to connect, reconnect with nature. You know, and I think the more we do that, 
the happier we're going to be. You know, people always, you hear about road rage, people sitting in cars and getting angry with traffic and oh, I just want to kill the person next to me because they're driving like an idiot or whatever. And it's like, that doesn't happen when you're on a bicycle or you're walking across town. You're psyched and you're more connected to your community and your neighbors. When I ride my bike around, I can wave at them. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You can't really do that in a car, especially if you're listening to music or the super nice podcast. You're distracted, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I'm a big believer in being outside in any way, shape or form. Even if you've been locked up all day, nine to five, sitting in front of a computer, just go take off your shoes and walk around your backyard barefoot and connect with the ground, the grass, listen to the birds and the, the whatever, the, the sounds of nature. Yeah, and the barefoot thing is important too, folks. It really is. It makes a big difference to to take off the layers of rubber and foam and plastic and, and cotton between your your skin and the ground. Uh, I think there's probably studies and stuff that show that that being that touching the dirt lowers anxiety and, and maybe I'm making up these studies, but let's just say they're out there because it works. I did a study and it's true. <laughs> there we go. So let's get our kids outside more too. Uh, there's a little bit of a challenge with that. And maybe this is just a, a, a gripe, but um, my kids uh, send them outside. Um, they go walking around the neighborhood, they go crashing around and I don't, they don't have phones with them and they'll come back in sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes in three hours. I don't know where they are. But they'll get stopped by adults every now and then saying, what are you doing out here on your own? Where are your parents? Da, 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 da. You know, I've actually had somebody threaten to call Child Protective Services against me because my kids were walking around our neighborhood on their own, you know, eight and a 10 year old. It's, it's so different from when a lot of us just a few years ago were kids where we could just crash around all day long uh, and never have to worry about this stuff. But there's such a level of fear now, even though crime in the United States, at least, has been dropping strongly since the late 1980s yeah it's a bummer you know i used to walk to school like you know three quarters of a mile when i was in elementary school with Mm -hmm. my brothers and sister and no kid walks to school anymore everybody gets dropped off in a car and it's all this fear-based stuff like oh my kid's gonna get kidnapped if i let him walk to school and yeah there might be a tiny tiny fraction of truth to that but for the most part, your kid's going to be just fine. And not only are they going to be just fine, but they're going to have a great time walking to school. Yeah, they are. And they have. Uh, there are studies on these over-chaperoned, uh, helicoptered kids that show that they grow up to be very anxious adults. So I would say, even if you're kind of cringing hearing this, folks, because as when I was a first-time parent, I had a really hard time. I had a hard time with it, too. You know, I had to really force myself to, to let my, my kid out of eyesight. But it does them so much good, so much great to be a little untethered. Anyway, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying it's a weird thing that I experienced when with my kids uh, here in L.A. Um, what got you into – where was your moment? I know this is your most popular question, but what was your kickoff point, speaking of kids and how we can kind of guide them, to get you into bikes so ferociously? Yeah. I remember it was a Christmas. I was a little boy running out to the living room and under the tree was a BMX bicycle. And it's not something that I even asked for. It was, of course, Santa Claus knew that I wanted it. And so he gave gave me a bike. Duh. That's what Santa does. And from that moment on, I just loved the feeling of freedom. You know, when you're a kid, back when I was a kid, I would walk around the neighborhood and it would take a long time to walk around the neighborhood. Once you get a bicycle, you can just travel 
further Mm -hmm. and you're on your own and the wind is in your hair and it's just exciting to have that freedom machine. To me, that's what a bicycle is. It's freedom. And it's still the same feeling I get today when I jump on my bike and ride just around Boulder. I don't have to be on a 5,000 mile adventure. I love riding my bike because it's fun. It brings me joy. And again, it connects me to nature, connects me to my neighbors. And, you know, on Thursday nights here in Boulder, we have a thing called the Happy Thursday Cruiser Ride. And hundreds of us get together and we dress up in goofy clothes and we ring our bells and honk our horns. And we just, we're like a, a parade of happiness. And we just, we, we shout out at people on their porches, happy Thursday, happy Thursday. And it's just about bringing joy to the community. And so cycling for me, luckily, is something that I found very early in life. And I've always loved it. What do you think of electric bikes? I love them. I'm a big fan of electric bikes. I think they're a great equalizer. They allow people who may be not may not have the physical ability to to ride bikes anymore uh, to jump on a bike i got my mother an electric bike two years ago and she loves it and now she can ride with me whereas before she could never keep up with me on my adventures but she can ride with me so we have this shared experience now and we actually did a big ride called ragbri in iowa a couple summers ago where it's a 450 mile bike ride across the entire state of iowa Twenty thousand people do it it's like a giant rolling county fair of happiness. And my mom did it with me because she was on an e-bike. Whereas before, there's no way she could have ridden a regular bike 60, 70 miles a day. And she got to enjoy and understand firsthand some of why you get so thrilled by being on a bike. She could relate to you in a different way for the first time, right? More directly to your passion. Absolutely. And it was yeah, really how fun cool. to, to share that with her and be like, look, mom, see, this is what I've been talking about for years. Isn't this fun? Yeah. Oh, that's you cool. mentioned Burning Man earlier. I brought my mom to Burning Man a few years ago because the same thing. I wanted her to experience the joy that I was having out there. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting place. Speaking of bikes and Burning Man, um, if you guys see a red, blue, and gold cruiser bike that when you ride it, the wheels light up with the Super Nice Club logo, that's mine. It got stolen from our camp. Okay, last Burning Man. So no. I would love it back. There's a lot of bike thieves at Burning Man. I'd love my bike back if anybody spots my bike. Oh. Um, you rode a bike. I mean, if you guys don't know Doozer, like he rides, okay, like a little bit. He rode a cruiser bike across the USA, um, went from Maine to Key West, cycled from Vancouver to Cabo, San Lucas in Mexico. Um, he's gone from Boulder to, to Burning Man. Yeah. Wow, you rode to Burning Man. I rode that um, bike to Burning Man. That's incredible. You, you want to know why I rode to Burning Man? It's because the first time I went to Burning Man, I waited in line for like 15 hours in the car. Yeah. And I was sitting there. And I was like, someday I'm going to ride my bike to Burning Man so I don't have to wait in this line. I can just ride past all the cars. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, it took me 10 days to get there, but I did get to go to the front of the line. That, that was worth it in that moment, right? You got to go ahead of everybody. Uh, you also rode 4,000 miles from Honduras to Boulder. Is that your longest contiguous ride? Yep. That was 4, my longest. 4,000 miles. Yeah. Holy was, cow. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Honduras for two years. And I didn't want to just get on an airplane and fly home and be home in a matter of four hours. I thought that mm -hmm. would be like too quick reverse culture shock after living in a tiny village for two years, working with these wonderful people, I really wanted to uh, take the long way home and really process what I had done for those two years in Honduras and also dream about the future. 
And that's the greatest thing about riding a bike is you can daydream while you're doing it. There aren't mm-hmm. many other sports where you can just kind of like, you know, doze off. Most sports, you have to focus on the sport that you're doing. And yeah, right. it, was, it was a beautiful experience riding from my little village all the way back home. And how long did that take? It took three months. Okay. So it's a little slower than a plane. Yeah, a little bit slower yeah, than there. Still, a lot, a lot of positive, a lot of amazing experiences. You're meeting all these people, which uh, reminds me of this other – you have a lot of great wisdom you spit out there, man. A lot of great stuff. So, um, And I, I, this is what I love about this podcast. I learn so much from every guest. Uh, lucky me, seriously. Um, so let's talk about these people you meet, these strangers uh, on the road. You know, today our world, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with my kids, you know, people seem more afraid of strangers than ever. There's, we have, I mean, obviously COVID is tough, right? Because we stay away from each other, six feet away. Um, but we have these political divides that are ridiculous. Um, and we're told as kids, you know, not to talk to strangers, we don't really look up in crowds anymore because we're looking at our screens. Stranger danger is everywhere. But you have learned the opposite about strangers, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like my favorite part about these adventures are meeting people and really connecting with humans all over the world. And it just makes me feel like a like a global citizen, like I'm actually connected to the humans that are around me. And I've met people on every single bike tour I've ever gone on um, that are absolutely wonderful humans and people that I would sometimes have maybe a bias against. So that's, I'm going to give you an example. So when I was riding the cruiser bike across the country, I remember crossing the border from Ohio into West Virginia. Mm-hmm. West Virginia kind of has this backwoods kind of redneck stereotype, right? And I was like, uh-oh, here we go. I'm going to get run off the road and, you know – West Virginia, it's going to be dangerous. Some yokel's going to get me. <laughs> and it was the complete opposite. I met so many wonderful people in West Virginia. And one guy in particular named Danny, who kind of found me on the side of a road and asked what I was doing. And he was, you know, very curious. And he's like, well, why don't you come stay at my house tonight? And I'm like, okay. So I went to his house down this dirt road and he was a, he had been a coal miner his entire life. He was about 55 at the point that I met him, you know, just a big barrel chested guy with a smiley face and beady eyes. If he had a long beard, he would look like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, I got to his front door and he's like, Hey man, I know what it's like to be on the road. And you know, you can stay with me tonight. I'll make some macaroni and cheese. And I got some crystal light. And I was like, that sounds amazing. You know? And we ended up having this wonderful connection, and I'm still in touch with Danny. We send oh, great. cards. I call him on his birthday and on Christmas. And talking about political divides, Danny, you know, being from West Virginia, has a much different political mindset than Ryan Van Duzer from Boulder, Colorado. But, uh, you know, we don't let that get in the way of our love for one another. And since he picked me up off the side of the road, he started doing it more and more with other cyclists he was seeing, you know. And so it kind of spread. It was, it's really cool. Yeah, that, that's great. When strangers talk to one another and you realize that you have a shared humanity above everything else, things like political divides just seem mostly silly. You know, I'm, I'm not saying to ignore hate in someone else, but yeah. most people don't have that in them. Most people just have, you know, different philosophies on the economy, on, on what they believe is 
you know, uh, national priorities, things like that. But ultimately, we all kind of have the same goals in mind, which are to be happy and to have a, a nicer place to live in for ourselves and for the future. And that becomes clear real quickly when you talk to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. It's my favorite part of any adventure. You know, I've had these experiences in small villages in Mexico where people bring me in and feed me food and let me camp in their backyard and play with their goats or whatever, you know, and it's just experiences that I don't have here in Boulder. You know? Yeah. Um, another thing I was curious about is all this time you spend outdoors far more than, than most of us. Uh, when you see what's happening, uh, to and on, you know, our warming planet. Does it get you down or does the, the, the vastness of our shared world give you some kind of peace knowing that, that however it might change, whatever species, including our own, may come and go, that the planet will be here and beautiful in its own way? Yeah, that's a tough question, you know, because I've always been very environmentally minded, you know, mm -hmm. no car, vegetarian, solar powered apartment. Like I do everything I can to have a, a minimal impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. And, and w yeah, of course, you know, we're, we're using plastic way more than we should. And, you know, we're, you know, spitting out pollution way more than we should. And we're, we're seeing what's happening to our planet, like live in person. And it's real. Like there's no doubt about it. It's real that humans are affecting the planet negatively. And that's tough. But, you know, yeah, when I do go on these rides and I'm in the middle of nowhere where humans have had no impact, like the deserts of Baja, I'm like, wow, I think we're going to be OK. But, um, you know, I do try to infuse a little bit of my environmental practices into my videos as small as like carrying your own fork and knife. So you don't have to always pick up the plastic fork and knife from the Mexican tienda when they serve you tacos. So, so the little things we can do to reduce our impact on this planet. And I think that goes a long way. You know, just Ryan doing this isn't a big deal. But if I can share this to my 100,000 person audience and, you know, 5% of them actually take what I say and start incorporating it, then, you know, it might make a little bit of a difference. Absolutely. And that's that's the whole goal of the Super Nice Club is just small actions and big ones too. Hey, amen to big ones. But the ones that we can do cumulatively adding up, you know, just make things, you know, 10% nicer. That can be our goal, right? And I, like you said, bringing your stainless steel, like I have my little cloth pouch that has my knife, fork, spoon, and chopsticks too yeah. um, in there to uh, when, you go, when you go somewhere where you know you're going to get plastic utensils. My problem is I forget that thing too yeah. much, you know, or it's in my bag, which is in my car. And I'm like, ah, the car's 10 blocks away. I don't even own a bike at this point in my life for the first time in a long time. Thanks to somebody who stole it at Burning Man, but you know, sure. I, could, I could always replace it. I know. Uh, but do you know how hard it is to get a bike these days or how much you need to pay? It's crazy. It I've is crazy. It's a, it's a hard time to get a bicycle right now, which is, is a bad thing. And also a good thing. The bicycle boom around the world because of COVID has been amazing. And I hope yeah. that it sticks. I hope it's not like a new year's resolution where people are like, I'm going to ride my bike. And then it only lasts for a month. I really hope this sticks because I think we really do need to look at alternative forms of transportation to make the planet cleaner, but also us happier. I think if we drive less, humans as on the whole are going to be a lot happier. I agree. I think a lot of it's going to stick because people are investing a lot of money in these bikes. 
because they're not cheap, you know. And it's there's that that uh, pain point when you invest into something, you tend to stick with it longer, right? If you take a class and you pay for the class, you're probably going to study harder than if you take the same course free online. True. So these these uh, these e bikes are not cheap. And, no, they're uh, not. And they're also super brag points. You bring them to your friends and everybody's like, oh my God, how does that work? Oh, you fire up the app and then you turn it on and then the jet engine starts. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. Uh, people really geek out on them. So if anybody out there makes a cool e-bike and you want to send it to the Super Nice Club, totally accept it. Totally accept <laughs> it. You need to be on the podcast. Um, speaking of bike or bike-like things, <laughs> she's going to kill me, but that's okay. Mutual friend and Nice Work podcast guest, Amelia Boone, recently moved near you yeah. out in Colorado. So here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see you guys do a superhero team up. Can you see yourself doing... I don't know, a thousand miles on an elliptigo with her. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm all about alternative forms of transportation and those things are definitely alternative. They are the elliptigo. I don't know how to describe them if you don't know them, folks. They're kind of like, you try to describe it, Ryan. This well, is, if you've ever been to a gym and you've ridden like a stationary elliptigo, it's kind of like a Nordic track type thing. But now they make them with actual wheels so you can ride it around the streets or whatever. And it gives you this great exercise. It's low impact on your joints. Uh, and you, they look super dorky, but they're cool. <laughs> and they get up and go. Yeah. You can fly. I don't know if they're good for hills. I'm sure you and Amelia could just cruise hills. Off I the think she can rides it up mountains, so it's possible. All right. So that's that's my challenge to you. All right. Uh, holler at Amelia and, and do an elliptigo thousand mile ride. Thousand, we'll ride to you in, in Los Angeles. About a thousand <laughs> Perfect. miles. <laughs> Perfect. You got it, Amelia? We're, we're going to do this. Uh, elliptigo, it's going to sponsor Doozer. It's going to be great. I love it. Um, I have a Super Nice Club member question for you. Okay. From my friend, great guy, Matt Kelm, at Real Matt Kelm on Instagram. He's the super nice human who turned me on to you in the first place. Cool. So he has a question. Um, actually, he has a couple questions. One, I think, is, is slightly in jest. He asks, is there a can of beans that you wouldn't eat? <laughs> so quickly, if you watch my content, you know that I'm very bean powered. I love beans, bean burritos, vegetarian, I, you know, beans are my thing. And uh, whenever I go on adventures, I have always have lots of cans of beans in my bags, um, my bike bags, and I just make burritos all the time. So is yep. there any can of beans that I wouldn't eat? You know, I don't, I wouldn't eat the pork and beans, of course. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that? Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I like black beans, brown beans, garbanzo beans, any type of bean. That's awesome. All right. I'm a big, big bean fan myself here. I'm a big, I usually eat black beans though. Definitely my personal favorite are yeah. the black beans. Um, Matt also asks, is there one piece of advice that you would give someone planning a ride like the Great Divide mountain bike route that they may not read in a book or see on a YouTube video when planning? A little, a little hidden gem of advice. Yeah, I get this question a lot about any type of long adventure, whether it's an ultra marathon or a long bike ride. And I always tell people to, to start small, you know, because it can be overwhelming to think, oh, I got to ride 3,000 miles down the Continental Divide. That sounds impossible because then you start thinking about gear and food and navigation and are you physically fit enough and what happens when a tornado comes in. You can get scared by so many things. So I say always just start small and from there it'll build and it'll build quickly and easily. 
So my first bike tour, you know, I rode about 30 miles a day, which is totally doable for anybody. And you want to be comfortable. Of course, these are physical challenges, but you want to be comfortable while you're doing it. Otherwise, you're going to quit. Essentially, you can only be, you know, uncomfortable for so long before you just bail. So, you know, start small and just have fun with it. Like, really, like you're supposed to be out there having fun and finding the joy. And uh, if that means stopping every five miles to have a little snack, maybe a bean burrito on the side of the road in a field of flowers, do that. That's it. That's that's I think that's a great piece of advice. Otherwise, a world of pain. Right. And, and, that, and then once you quit, if you if you fail at it the first time because you you sort of um, bit off more than you can chew, that's really demoralizing. So don't let yourself get demoralized. Yeah. Um, all right. A question about a nicer world for you. The goal of the Super Nice Club is to make the world at least 10 percent nicer. We have a low bar to start. But, you know, once we get there, you keep resetting it. Right. Where would you start? For you, what what's the biggest part of a nicer world? For me, it's connection and communication. I think that we are sometimes scared of people around us, whether it's the neighboring town or the neighboring country, for reasons that may or may not be true. And I think once you start talking to people, and mm-hmm. getting their story and, and learning about them, you'll realize, wow, they're just like me. They're just from the next town over, the next country over, or, or whatever it is. And you realize what we do have in common. And then you think, wow, you know, I only want good for that person or that community. And you might start doing things to, to help them out or service projects, or it could be as simple as walking next door and just surprising your neighbor with some cookies. Mm-hmm. No, and it's just those are the things kind of like with a, with an adventure you start small you know can i you know ryan van duzer save the world through my youtube channel and make everybody in the planet nice no definitely not but can i make the people that i have you know personal connections with you know make make some sort of a positive impact there then yeah you know and i think that's where we start you know, we start with the little stuff all right i like it i like it a lot and the, the it's Communication and connection is where it's really all that Super Nice Club does. It's really, I think, largely what you do as well, right? It's you're communicating to people and connecting with them and encouraging them to connect with one another and communicate with one another around a message of, you know, making the world a better place. So, and hopefully, hopefully the goal is that just making the world nicer is like the most viral message of all time, right? That's what we're working on. It should be. Because yeah. it's, it's what's, what's cooler than that than being happier? Um, I don't know. And then the one, the last thing I want to ask you, and I, I was going to ask you earlier when it made more sense when we were talking about this, but whatever, it's still in there. Um, your diet, right? I know you're vegetarian. Uh, you're not a, a preachy vegetarian, which, you know, we know that the preachy sort of vegetarian and vegans that turn off the, the rest of the world. Um Anything else along there with like, I don't know, things like caffeine, sugar, alcohol, things like this that you have found um, you have had to moderate in order to be like this amazing fit athletic world cruiser? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I cut alcohol out of my life completely six mm-hmm. years ago, and it's only had positive impacts on every area of my life from my bank account to my mental <laughs> well-being. 
you know? And for me, that was a huge deal to cut out alcohol. For some other people, it might be cutting out sugar or, or something else that they know maybe not too good for them. Or you use it in moderation. And that's just not that's just not who I am. I'm the kind of person where I do anything in life, I do it at one speed and it's turbo speed. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. alcohol, that's not very good. Um, but a lot of people out there can drink in moderation and eat sugar in moderation. And, you know, maybe they're a flexitarian where they eat a mostly plant-based diet, but sometimes they eat meat here and there. And that's, that's okay for them. And I don't like to be pre- preachy, you know, I do things because it's important to me. And in living a super nice you know, mindset, you know, I don't want animals to suffer. And so I've chosen not to eat animal products. Um, totally fair. Yeah. There's no, like, there's no right answer. It's whatever you're most comfortable with and what you feel good about. Do you ever feel like, because vegetarianism is, is such a sort of politicized hot topic for, for a lot of folks, do you ever feel that being vegetarian might cost you some, some, some of your base? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've gotten some comments out there from people who were like, Oh, you're just a hippie vegetarian, you know, blah. Um, I, I hope not at least, you know, Yeah, I ask because in the past, whenever I've mentioned anything along those lines in super nice club, there is a little bit of static and it's, I, I think there's an art to putting it out there where you're trying to make it clear, like, look, this isn't judgmental. This isn't trying to say that you suck because you don't adhere to this. This is just trying to say, this is a cool thing for me and it has some positive impacts. Yeah. And right? it's the same with, you know, cho- choosing not to have a car. People can be like, oh, so Ryan then does thinks I suck because I drive a car. Like, no, right. I don't think you suck. I understand the importance of vehicles. My mom drives a car. Without a car growing up, she wouldn't have been able to drive her four kids around a soccer practice. Like I get the importance of some of these, these tools that humans have come up with. But for me personally, I've chosen a life where I don't eat meat and I don't drive a car. And they're all about, you know, being nicer to Mother Nature, being nicer to the, the our fellow animals on this planet. Yeah. Amen to that. So listen, folks, you don't suck if you drive a car. I drive a car. <laughs> you suck a lot if you drive a car and you don't use your blinkers. If you don't use your turn signals, if you're one of those drivers, <laughs> uh, Super Nice Club membership is totally like questionable. Use your blinkers, everybody. Seriously. Seriously. It's big pet peeve of mine. Anyway, pet peeve over. Use your turn signals. Hey, so each guest gets to, <laughs> gets to offer a super nice challenge to the listeners. Oh. Um, I don't know if you got that in the in the notes, but everybody gets to, to issue a challenge. Just something that a listener can do to make their world, uh, the world, a little bit nicer place. Okay. I, you know, I kind of said it earlier jokingly, but I think I like the idea of uh, going to one of your neighbors and baking them some cookies, <laughs> giving them some cookies. Just imagine how cool you're, you're going to be like the coolest neighbor in the world if you just walk next door and say, hey, buddy, I was thinking about you. I know you love these chocolate chip cookies, vegan, whatever. And here you go. That's fantastic. What do you think now, about that? I, I like it a lot, If you, especially if you don't know your neighbors already. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing to try to get to know your neighbors. I've, I've found that it's harder and harder to do. Um, 
with with each move. I mean, I'm happy. I know my neighbors. Um, I've only been here for just since before COVID hit, but somehow we've just seen each other out in the street and gotten to know them. But a lot of folks don't really know their neighbors. Bringing them cookies, they might kind of think you're weird a little bit, but uh, if they don't know you, they might ask you what kind of cookies they are yeah. with, uh, with marijuana legislation uh, <laughs> opening up all over the country. But, uh, you know, cook them regular cookies. If you want to be super safe, buy them a pack of Oreos or something that they know cannot be poisoned. I like the idea of homemade. You know, there's a little love in that. And I think talk about, you know, them sending photos and tagging super nice. I think that'd be a cool thing to see is the, the plate of cookies that you're making for your neighbors. I love it. that. That earns stickers, too. If you send, yeah. if you send photo, of stick, photo of stickers, a photo of cookies that you bring in your neighbors. I mean, you can fake it, of course. Whatever. I'll never know. But uh, uh, honor system. Yeah, you get some stickers. Speaking of Oreos, I was talking to a friend yesterday who was telling me that uh, his kid was such a prankster at five years old that she, she uh, took some Oreo cookies, took one Oreo cookie, scraped the filling out. Mm. Replaced it with toothpaste. Oh. Put it back together and gave it to him. Gave it to her dad. Ooh. That's a great prank. Yeah. And don't do it to your neighbors, but it's pretty <laughs> rad. I kind of like that one too. So if you send a, a picture of your your significant other or spouse biting into a toothpaste-filled Oreo cookie, I'll also send you stickers because that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm it's ultimately about, nice. It's joy. Yeah. I'm all about being a little bit mischievous. You know, it's, it's good yeah. to, to be goofy. Yeah. So the, the uh, let's make it an internet meme. Ready, Ryan? We're going to make this an, a big, huge internet challenge. The toothpaste Oreo cookie challenge. I like it. We just put it out there. Wow. That's I like great. it. We, we just like created a, a, a spectacle. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, uh, each guest gets to ask one question uh, of me. You get to be the host. You get to fire away uh, any question you want, and I'll do my best to answer it. Okay. Since we were talking about the Muppets, yeah. what is your favorite Muppet and why? Uh, my favorite Muppet. Well, you know, I used to default to uh, the Swedish chef, and I realized that you speak Swedish, right? Yeah. Is that because of the chef? You want to understand him? <laughs> exactly. I was like, finally, someday I'm going to crack the code. <laughs> what did I just say? Unfortunately, he's not even speaking Swedish. No, he's not. You've, Maybe that's not why English. the Swedes are pissed off because they're like, he is making a mockery of our beautiful language. Um, and I know this is such a um, the standard answer, but because of Rainbow Connection, it's just got to be Kermit. Kermit has always seemed like this just this uh, gentle, cool soul. Uh, that I think every kid resonates with Kermit. Kermit isn't, he's not capable of being a dick, yeah, right? No, not at but all. he can still get a little upset and frustrated. So he's with, not- With Miss Piggy. Yeah, with Miss Piggy. So he's not the Dalai Lama, you know? But uh, Kermit is this cool character around whom everybody else pretty much revolves. He's the center of the show and he's the center of the show without having to be cool in like- the, the Fonz, I'm dating myself, but you know, in that cool yeah. sense, he's just himself. Yeah. I, I love Kermit. Yeah. I love little Kermit. Yeah. Best. Yeah. Talk about ridiculous optimism. That was one of Jim Henson's quotes. He's like, I know some people, you know, are skeptical of my ridiculous optimism, but it has always worked for me. And I love that. I love that too. 
Um, let's all try to be, let's just, let's just end on that. Let's all try to have a day of ridiculous, outsized, completely unrealistic optimism and yeah. see how that treats us. Right. Uh, there's a lot of challenges out there in the world for all of us. And there's a lot of times that I personally get really down about it, especially around uh, how we're treating the planet. And there's like little bits of misanthropy bubble up in me because like collectively I'm like, humans, what are we doing? But on the individual scale, I'm like humans are beautiful and amazing. Right. Yeah. So let's be ridiculously optimistic about our shared future, everybody. How about that? Love it. Awesome. Love having you on, Ryan Van Duzer. If you want to learn more about Ryan, it'll all be in the show notes, but Ryan Van Duzer on Instagram, Ryan Van Duzer YouTube. He's not hard to find at all. So get out there, get outside, get on a bike, get on some rollerblades, get on your bare feet. And uh, it's great weather time, folks. So get out there and enjoy it. Right on. Thank you so much. All right, Ryan. I'll see you uh, when you and uh, Amelia get here on your elliptigos. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave tomorrow. So there you have it, a super nice conversation with Ryan Van Duzer. Isn't he great, inspiring, positive, and optimistic, and just living a great life? Really enjoyed this conversation. Hope that you did too. Hope you check out Ryan. Hope you checked out that five-minute video on YouTube. Fire you up to get outdoors, or even if you already are outdoors a lot, it'll fire you up to get outdoors even more. Definitely fired me up to remember to not forget to remember to make a note to get my kids outside more. <laughs> Anyway, Ryan is great. Definitely super proud to have him in the Super Nice Club. Next week, next week, next week, we have Christopher Soren Kelly, writer, actor, director, new movie called The Tangle. Check it out. You can rent it now. The Tangle. If you're into sci-fi, if you're into film noir, it's a noir sci-fi, slightly dystopian, uh, but really, really cool small budget film, really well acted. Do you like David Mamet? Do you like dialogue driven films that are still visually impressive? I really recommend checking out The Tangle and then you can come back here and listen to the conversation with Christopher, who's also a meditation teacher and has a lot of cool insights around meditation and where humans are going next. Until then, stay nice everyone.
chances that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more So what? Big deal.